you'll never be able to make sense of Christianity apart from making sense of the spiritual war we're up against. There is no shortage of doubters who have walked away from their faith on account of denying the war in the name of naturalistic materialism. Ours, however, is a world of two separate realms, the seen and the unseen, the visible and the invisible, the apparent and the not so apparent, the natural and the supernatural, and yes, the material and the immaterial. That's what makes this war that we find ourselves in so tricky, and that's why we need a battle guide to confront this topic referred to as spiritual warfare. come to the end of our three-part series on spiritual warfare, but not before offering you a battle guide to help you the next time that you find yourself in the foxhole on this seemingly endless war. Welcome to the show that loves doubters. Here in Christianity Still Makes Sense, we are making sense of the doubts that can deconstruct our Christian faith with near apostate and now pastor and apologist Dr. Bobby Conway. I'm your host, Tim Hall. Well, Bobby, let's begin with a quick recap of the first two episodes in this series on spiritual warfare. Yeah, one of the things that we did, Tim, is we recognized that there is a lot of interaction going on in our culture as it relates to uh, spiritual warfare. Uh, lots of talk about, uh, you know, demons and you think about, um, you know, the late performance by uh, Sam. Uh, is it Smith? Yep, Sam Smith. Yep. Yeah, the late performance by Sam Smith, where he kind of dresses up in satanic garb, and it looks like this seance, so to speak, is performed uh, in honor and tribute of Satan, and that just caused a lot of uh, you know consternation amongst people. It seems like we're living in a culture where we're calling good evil and evil good, and then you think about uh, you know the Exorcist Files, this podcast that's getting lots of attention where people are just intrigued by what is going on in the unseen realm. Uh, what is our understanding of it supposed to be? Uh, questions emerge, you know, can a Christian uh, be possessed or just oppressed or should Christians be casting out demons? Do we need exorcists in the church? And so we just kind of looked at this whole landscape of spiritual warfare. And then we took some time to even develop tactics of the evil one, how Satan loves to study us in order to cause us to doubt and to literally become an apostate would be his goal for us. And so we talked about being tuned in to the areas where he might be striving to undo us spiritually through fear and doubt and depression and evil thoughts and temptation and thoughts like that. We have to be very much on guard, taking every thought captive. And then today we just thought, let's really get practical and look at the spiritual uh, battle plan that God has for us as Christians. And, and I, I will highlight some of that. There is no shortage of Satan in pop culture. You described some there. Let, let's take a look at this headline. The headline is Jack Black to play Satan in Dear Santa Christmas movie. I'll, I'll read a little quote from the article. It says, actor Jack Black, whose off-camera resume includes leading a mass prayer to Satan and mocking Christian opposition to same-sex marriage, is reportedly set to star in a Christmas movie about, you guessed it, Satan. 
Clearly, mm-hmm. spiritual warfare is alive and active in our world today. And uh, if our audience has had any experience fighting this war, man, we would love to know it in the comments of this video. Mm-hmm. So head on over to our YouTube channel, leave a comment there. Bobby, you kind of uh, gave a little bit of taste to what we're going to be talking about today. But I-, I think it's time to get practical by unpacking our own battle guide to spiritual warfare. So how do you plan on doing that? Fortunately, we don't have to create a battle guide from scratch, Tim. Uh, We've got one, and it's very easy to understand. It's just not so easy to live by, as war never is, especially one that is spiritual in nature. Our battle guide comes from Paul the Apostle in his letter to the Ephesians, and I'll walk um, you know, through this a little bit, but in chapter six, verses 10 to 20, we can look at this plan that God has for us. And he begins this section, Paul does in verse 10, where we are told to be strong in the Lord. And that's key. We need to keep a strong relationship with the Lord for spiritual warfare can wear us out mm-hmm. and tired soldiers are vulnerable soldiers. In the next verse, in verse 11, Paul tells us how to be strong in the Lord by sharing with us the importance of what this battle guide is that we are to be aware of. He states, put on the whole armor of God. And why? That you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. That's what we'll be unpacking today, the armor of God. Paul next warns us not to be deceived into thinking our only battle is physical. In verse 12, he even writes, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual warfare or the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So we are engaged, as I've been contending the last few weeks, in a spiritual war, an invisible battle. And we can't forget that. Paul tells us again in verse 13 to take up the whole armor of God. So he's told us this twice. Words are important, especially the word whole. Like, don't be partially dressed here. Uh, Paul gives us a battle plan to protect us from being exposed to the evil one. But that will require putting on the whole armor of God. If we don't, Satan is cunning and he will find our weak spot, Tim. So Paul tells us to get fully dressed for battle. And that's sobering to think about. After sharing this, Paul then walks through the believer's battle guide by showing us the gear that we are to overcome the battle with. He shows us how to dress in order to win in this battle that we are experiencing with the evil one. Well, I think that's extremely helpful. So thanks for that. And with our Bibles open to Ephesians 6, give us an overview of what this looks like by developing the metaphor of armor, which Paul gives us uh, to wear fully here. Sure. And that's exactly right, Tim. I mean, Paul speaks metaphorically by taking what he was quite familiar with, namely the Roman armor. And Here in Ephesians 6, he applies the various pieces of spiritual armor, which a believer is to wear to properly engage in spiritual warfare. And he lays out six different articles we are to put on, beginning with the belt of truth. And if people aren't driving in their car and they're at home and following along with us, they can read in the first part of verse 14 about the belt of truth. But think about it. What does a belt do? It stabilizes and it gave soldiers a place to hang their garments. So too, as believers, truth offers a stability, especially in a world replete with various beliefs and false ideas. 
The belt of truth, which centers us, is most likely a reference to Jesus who said, I am the way, the truth, right? And the life, no one gets to the Father except through me. In other words, it's the truth of the gospel, which we are to ever keep before us as believers. The gospel is not merely a heaven and hell transaction, right? Like believe in Jesus and you won't go to hell and you'll go to heaven. But it's bigger than that. It's a way of life, the way that we're to live now. Then he goes on to the breastplate of righteousness in the second half of verse 14. Uh, These uh, breastplates were made of metal plates or chains, and they covered the body from the neck to the waist, and they would be on both the front and back of the soldier. The breastplate also served to protect the heart, and the scripture is a running storyline to the importance of walking in righteousness. That's the way of blessing, and Satan wants all of us to walk in unrighteousness, to get off track. Our character and the continued development of it is so crucial in being part of a battle plan to guide us in this warfare. And so if we lose our character, we'll lose the battle. In verse 15, he goes on, Tim, and he says, hey, there's the sandals, right, that you're to put on. And this would refer to missionary footwear. And sandals with hobnails in the soles uh, would give better footing for battle. So by remembering the gospel of peace that we're bringing to others, and by remembering apart from the gospel, there's no ultimate peace, we will find greater courage to stay the course with firm footing as we advance the gospel into our spheres of influence. Well, okay, so you're about halfway through this kind of armor metaphor, but before you keep going and to develop this a little bit more, I'd like to remind our audience that if you're finding this helpful, you can let us know by liking this video on our YouTube channel. And if you are doubting, you might want to consider subscribing to our YouTube channel as we provide lots and lots and lots of resources for people just like you. Bobby was once where you are, and he knows what you're going through. So let's continue. Uh, What are the final articles in this armor metaphor that we're looking at here, Bobby? In verse 16, Paul talks about uh, the shield of faith, and I were to take up the shield of faith. Uh, The Roman shield was about four by two feet. Uh, It was made of wood covered with leather. And so this shield of faith was supposed to be able to, you know, ward off the darts that came at the soldiers. And so Paul leverages this metaphorical example to say, you know, when the schemes of the evil one are thrown at you in the form of darts, Take up the shield of faith. Don't buy into it, right? So the shields were constructed also to interlock an entire line of soldiers together to create a wall before their enemy. So the message is we don't go to battle alone. Uh, Note, we are told in all circumstances, we are to take up this shield of faith. And so that's important as well. Uh, It's also helpful to remember that when Satan causes us to doubt our faith, that uh, we have community that we are in to uh that we are with other people in the midst of community tim because this is not a battle that we're meant to fight alone and unfortunately a lot of times people start struggling with doubts or they're going through spiritual warfare and satan picks them off they get isolated but i love that idea of these shields of faith they interlocked so this roman Uh, you know, army, they could get locked in in order to fight off the darts together. They were stronger uh, together. And I think that that's really important for us as well. And in the helmet of salvation, in verse 17, helmets protected the Romans. Uh, It refers to protecting our minds as believers. And while Christians can't lose their salvation, they can lose their joy of it if they're 
living unprotected uh, in their walk with Christ. They're just not walking in the way of the word. So living the Christian life without a helmet is even more dangerous than playing football or hockey or even riding on a motorcycle without a helmet. We are to keep every thought uh, that comes uh, into our mind, we're to take it captive so that we can make it obedient so that we don't get off track. And then there's the sword of the spirit, Tim, in verse 17 in the second half. And this is the only offensive piece of armor. It was a short dagger that the Roman soldier attached to his belt. Uh, you know, you don't stay a white belt, right? As believers, Satan is a multi-striped black belt. So we need to advance uh, in our understanding of the word of God. We need to get uh, stronger in uh, how we understand it and we need to be deeper in it. And so the Bible is the sword that Paul would be referring to that word to take up. We're going to know how to use the word of God. And that's how Jesus overcame temptation. You'll remember in the wilderness, he was our perfect example of combating twisted truth with total truth. When you think about Matthew chapter four, after he was baptized, it says that the spirit led him into the wilderness. And while he was out in the wilderness being tempted by the evil one, we see how Jesus interacted. Satan used the word of God on three different occasions to tempt Jesus. But each time Satan was taking the word of God out of context and Jesus would basically say, here is what the word actually says, for it is written. And so Jesus quotes from Deuteronomy on three different occasions. And you got to wonder, Satan came and tried to have a heyday on us, twisting scripture up from Deuteronomy. Would we recognize the error? Would right. we be able to counter that twisted truth out of the book of Deuteronomy? Well, Jesus was able to. Uh, yeah. And one of the things I love this metaphor. I mean, it is one of those things that growing up, my brother was really into, you know, kind of the knight in shining armor pieces, the, you know, the Roman army. And so this Ephesians chapter six, just really hit home. And I love that we've kind of lost some of that in our culture. We don't really understand all these different pieces. So I really appreciate mm. you kind of going through this with us. So it's interesting how Paul, you know, kind of closes off this section on spiritual warfare while not referring to it as, as an article to wear, it is every bit as crucial to winning the war as the other pieces. It is not more. So share a little bit about that. Just, just talk to us a little bit more about that. Yeah, that's so true, bud. After discussing the battle gear, Paul wraps up by stressing the importance of prayer. Yeah. Listen to these verses right here. He writes in verses 18 to 20, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So he tells us that we need to remain in prayer to pray for others and for the gospel to be advanced through proclaiming it boldly. Personally, I don't know if it's my ADD or what, but this is the most difficult part. I find it a lot easier to send little prayers up to God, but sitting still and praying for a long time in uninterrupted fashion, that can be hard work. It doesn't come natural for me. I wish it did. Uh, but I think about Paul, here he is 
uh, in prison already for sharing the gospel. And what does he want prayer for? That he'll keep sharing the gospel. He was definitely committed. And he was somebody who modeled wearing the full armor of God. I am right there with you. And as far as that ADD prayer thing, much easier for me to, to do the short prayers, uh, you know, throughout the day often. But, you know, I, I'm confident that this was helpful for, for many listeners, especially as they think about this idea of spiritual warfare. And I know that I'm personally thankful for God's word and just how practical it is. So it's as if Paul was intentionally kind of aimed to develop a, a picture that could serve as our battle guide to this spiritual warfare, as, as you've laid out, so that we would never forget it. So uh, as we wrap up this whole whole series. Do you have any final thoughts for us to consider here? And, you know, we'll, we'll kind of dive into this a bit deeper as we move on throughout the show here. Yeah, um, I would say a couple things here, Tim, as uh, we try to pull the series together. If you are experiencing spiritual warfare uh, and feeling discouraged, draw on some courage from 1 John 4, 4, which reminds us, he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. Mm. And we need to remember that though spiritual warfare can ex- ex- seem very powerful and it is, we're fortunate because we have one who abides in us that is far more powerful than Satan and all his minions. And as Christians, uh, you are indwelt with the Holy Spirit, which is powerful. I mean, the Holy Spirit is omnipotent, all powerful. Uh, the evil one, is a created being. He's not all powerful. He's a lot more powerful than we are. But as believers, we can know that he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. Not only that, when you think about the whole idea of a third of the angels rebelling against God with the fall of Lucifer, we also can be encouraged by knowing, hey, that means two thirds of the angels didn't fall. So Mm -hmm. we've got one third of the angels that are uh, fallen uh, angels called demons, but we've got two thirds that didn't fall that are sent out to protect us, that do battle on our behalf. So we need to be encouraged by recognizing that God has absolutely put a strong army around us and that we can find strength through the Lord. Second, I would say, remember Satan is a student and he studies you. And so you can ask yourself, given what you know about your weaknesses, if you were Satan, how would you go about taking you out? I mean, that is a very scary thought, but we should all be aware of our Achilles heel, of our shadow, of our weak spot, of our blind spot. I mean, the problem with the blind spot sometimes is you're not even aware that you have it. Uh, you drive in a car sometimes. Uh, And there's a blind spot, but then you can be made aware that I have a blind spot in this car that I have to be extra careful with. In the same way, we all have these blind spots, uh, some that we're aware of, some that we're not so much aware of. But in Screwtape Letters, uh, that book, that classic by C.S. Lewis, he basically writes this story about Wormwood and Wormwood, and you see in this particular book, there is this student, and you've got the demonic realm, so to speak, studying this student, understanding its weak spots in order to take out this student so that the student collapses and fails to believe in God. And that's what Satan wants to do to you. When I was in seminary, I remember we had to read screw tape letters, and we had to think about, okay, what is 
the screw tape letter that we would write to our own self to remind us how Satan has studied us. And so I would say, is it in your own life? Is it your thought life? Is it lust? Is it pleasure? Are you living for power? Hmm. Uh, where would Satan, you know, have a heyday with you? Well, yeah. if you are aware of those areas, begin to strengthen yourself in that way. So Bobby, I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit. So uh, of these, of this armor that you talked about, that Paul was laying out for us, you kind of gave us this further explanation. Which one do you think the 21st century church in America is has just completely abandoned and really needs to get back? <laughs> Which uh, one do you think is, is, is we've just abandoned it completely? Yeah. Boy, that's tough um, because I don't think we do the best putting our missionary footwear on, sharing the gospel. Uh, but the word of God, I, I don't think that that is in the proper place. There's lots of compromise. Um, so, yeah, I definitely would feel uh, like I don't know uh, which one I would say is the most because depending upon like a denomination, you know, Tim, some of the more charismatic movements, they're, they're great on prayer, but maybe low on the word. And some of the Bible <laughs> right, teaching right. churches are great on the word, but they're low on prayer. And so some of the social justice, they think they're out doing gospel work, but they're, they're just doing philanthropy. Uh, but there's more to the gospel than just philanthropy. There's words, there's content of repentance. So that's a good question. Yeah, I, I mean, I think for me, as I think about it, you know, answer the same thing. I had a little bit more time to think about it than you did. So I, for me, <laughs> I would probably say the the belt of truth is I think is one thing that we've just abandoned our our ability to kind of know what truth is and where we're finding mm -hmm. it and what our you know authority structure is. We've just kind of thrown all of that stuff along the wayside, mm -hmm. and that really has a, a you know a downstream effect on so many other pieces. You know, like what to pray mm -hmm. if we don't have truth, we're just we're kind of just out there. We don't know what to pray. We right. don't even know what to share missionally. So yeah, so I, you know for me, that's kind of what I was thinking as you were, uh, you know, talking about C.S. Lewis and some of that. So uh, bring us home. Any, any, final, right. any final thoughts you want to leave us with here? I would just say that in the end, we need to remember that God wins. And that should mm -hmm. really encourage us uh, that God is going to bring his plan to fruition. As I shared recently on an episode of walking into my garage in Southern California and there was a rattlesnake going into the blanket. And uh, I saw that rattlesnake and I got a shovel and I decapitated it. And it was a baby rattlesnake. Those are more poisonous. And you could see the body on the shovel and sitting next to the body that was just kind of swirling around was the head. And the mouth kept opening and shutting, opening and shutting. And it was the creepiest looking thing, this head sitting off to the side of this body swinging around. Eventually, the body ran into the detached head and the detached head bit down on its own body and then croaked. And as I thought about that, it, I thought that's Satan, right? He's wreaking havoc. It looks like he's alive, but he's been decapitated. Oh, death, where is your sting? Jesus on a cross has dealt with the enemy once and for all. It's just a matter before we realize he's truly croaked. Well, this show just scratches the surface of the whole topic of spiritual warfare. And if you want to know more on this topic, be sure to check out the other two episodes that we did in this series. And I look forward to meeting you next time as we are making sense of Christianity.
Thank you for checking out this episode of Christianity Still Makes Sense. This show is just one of the many resources available to those who are doubting their Christian faith. You can also find others at ChristianityStillMakesSense.com. This is a listener-supported show, and your gift of any amount helps shows like this continue. Click on the donate link on our website. Also, catch Bobby on Pastor's Perspective, where he answers your questions. Finally, if you're watching on YouTube, be sure to click subscribe and check out our other videos on the channel. This show is sponsored by K-Wave and Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa.